0: Life Audio.
1: Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I am your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about revealing the authentic God, revealing the authentic God. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today.
2: And this topic um,
1: is rooted in Acts chapter 17 as Paul is in uh, Athens and he's uh, sharing the message of the resurrection uh, with those that resided in Athens. And Luke writes that while Paul was waiting uh, for his colleagues in Athens, that the Spirit provoked him as he observed that the city was full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day. He was reasoning with them, with those who happened to be present. And some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers as well were conversing with him. Some were saying, what could this scavenger of tidbits want to say others. He seemed to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying may we know what this new teaching is, which you are proclaiming for you are bringing some strange things to our ears so we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers were visiting there, used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship I also find an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And you can read the rest of the chapter on your own time while you're doing devotion. But that is the reference point for our discussion today, revealing the authentic God. And as we continue, if you were to continue to verse twenty-eight, you would see uh, that Luke writes and uh, quotes Paul as saying, "For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said. For we also are his descendants." Acts seventeen twenty-eight. So this book uh, of Acts, uh, the overall theme is Jesus, the risen, glorified Lord over His church, Jesus the risen glorified Lord over his church. So, in other words, uh, the, the overall theme of the book of Acts is to highlight Jesus, the risen glorified Lord over his church uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul visited Thessalonica, Berea, and in this section that we're in, uh, he lands in Athens. In Thessalonica, uh, God used them to make an impact. People were converted. In Berea, we learn about the truthfulness of God's word because the Bereans were most uh, most noble, and they are known for not accepting Paul as the apostle just based on name. Even though Paul came to them, even though Paul was sharing they tested the spirit by the spirit and diligently searched the scriptures to make sure that whatever Paul was saying could be found in the scripture. That is a prescriptive text, meaning that this is binding for all Christians. Never just assume someone is preaching the gospel. That whatever they're saying, it by the spirit. Research it. Vet it with the scriptures. I don't care if it's to televangelist. I don't care if someone who's identified themselves as a bishop, as an apostle, as a reverend, whatever their titles are. Don't assume that they're automatically teaching the word of God. We have to do like the Bereans. Test the spirit by the spirit. Vet what they're saying with the word of God. Even though you're listening to this uh, show, whatever I'm saying ought to be vetted. Uh, Whatever I'm sharing with you ought to be looked at through the lens of the Scriptures. Make sure that whatever I'm saying matches up with the Word of God. And any servant of Jesus Christ should not take offense to you searching the Scriptures for yourself to make sure that what they're saying is legitimate. So, Paul is on the second uh, missionary journey. He's visited Thessalonica. He's visited Berea. And he's visited Athens. And during this time in Athens, Paul was confronted by a high degree of polytheism. And polytheism meaning the worship of many gods. Polytheism uh, is found in this area during this time. And we should be familiar with this notion of polytheism in our modern society. It's evident all around us. Uh, There's a worship of many gods. And people are often confused about Jesus because they have so many options. There's a smorgasbord of religions that people people can choose from in today's society. And some may be asking, what's the big deal? Um. As long as I believe in a God, as long as individuals have their own religions, let's just let bygones be bygones and let people worship whoever they choose to worship and we worship whoever we choose to worship. The number one issue with that belief system is God is against polytheism. All through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, God has constantly reminded his children to not worship any other God beside himself. That's the best answer I can give you. God doesn't allow his children to share the worship that belonged to him and misappropriate it to other deities that are really no God at all. God is a jealous God. That's another phrase the Bible uses to describe this principle or tenet. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share us with anything else. And the the, the reality of this is um, these other gods really are no gods at all. There's only one true God. There's only one God that's eternal, that has no beginning, that has no end. These other gods are made by humanity. So we learn that Paul too recognizes the weakness, the flaw in this area of Athens. They're too polytheistic. They are confused. They have all of these idols erected. And just in case they miss an idol, they didn't want to offend anybody's God that might have been missed in this region in terms of the temple that was dedicated to all these numerous gods. Uh, they created the unknown God just in case we missed a, a God that someone else believed in. Um, we didn't want to offend them. And that's part of the problem in today's church. We have some Christians who have bought into the delusional thinking that it's okay to allow people to worship their own God because God is love. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
2: God is love,
1: but on the same side of God's love is God's justice. God loves us, but look at this. God does not accept every worship. God loves us ontologically, but God does not approve of every act. God is love. This is why Jesus came. But have you ever asked yourself, why did they crucify him since Jesus was perfect? Since Jesus was perfect, he is not capable of erring, meaning E-R-R-I-N-G, or making mistakes. Jesus did not err. So if Jesus is perfect, why did they kill him? They crucified Jesus because Jesus spoke the truth in love, and they couldn't handle it. They didn't want to hear the truth of Jesus' message because it challenged people. It challenged the religious establishment. It was hindering uh, their monopoly on religious uh, functions as they lured over God's people. It became inconvenient to have Jesus on the scene because Jesus' message of of God's kingdom contradicted in many ways to the message that the religious establishment had. So just because God is love, it doesn't mean that God has love without boundaries. God loves us ontologically as as a created being. God loves us. Um, with, with a perfect love. But at the same time, God doesn't accept every, time, every kind of worship from us. This is why when we approach God, we have to approach him in a certain way. We have to approach him with a, a transparency, with, with an authentic heart. We have to approach God in a humble way. Uh, God does not accept every type of worship. This is why the Bible preaches against fornication. Lasciviousness. God preaches against adultery. God preaches against dishonesty. God preaches against a a host of sins that's identified in the Bible. Why? Because he's love. And because he's love, he loves every person ontologically. But it's God's will that we have a relationship with him. And that relationship comes with an expectation of sacrifice. So it's important, and it hurt Paul to be in Athens and seeing people being misled by false theology, false ideology, false philosophies. It grieved him. Polytheism was found by Paul as he walked in the first century in Athens. So Luke also uh, shares with us uh, there were groups that existed in this region in the first century. He introduces us to Epicureans. Who are these Epicureans? And this is where your Christian study should come in. As you are uh, reading scripture, and you come across names, you come across titles, you come across places, um, it, it's is is Our obligation to go back and study these names, they're there for a reason. And if you're not familiar with these names of people, places, and things, we need to investigate. Uh, Do not come across a word. Do not come across a name or title that you're not familiar with and just keep going. It, It helps us as believers to move from milk to meat. So what do we do? We go back and we study. Um, Epicureans. These are individuals that pursued pleasure at all costs. That sounds like the United States today. Uh, there are people, uh, not, they may not call themselves Epicureans, but they share the same philosophy. They pursue pleasure at all costs. Pleasure, pleasure. There are people that live each day uh, satisfying the flesh At all costs, they're willing to sacrifice their families uh, for the sake of pursuing the flesh. They're willing to sacrifice their marriage for the sake of pleasure. They're willing to sacrifice their careers for the sake of pleasure. And I'm talking about people that attend church, people who profess to be Christians. And this should not be the case. So this movement in the first century... These Epicureans, or the Epicurean movement, was started by a man named Epicurus, who promoted pleasure, uh, uh, or, or preached that pleasure was to obtain uh, was was the highlight of obtaining friends, of obtaining good morals, of obtaining cerebral pursuits. Pleasure was the goal. That was his teaching. However, uh, as time went along, his followers um, basically, morphed this teaching, this philosophy into uh, this belief that pleasure was centered only on the flesh as a chief pursuit. So it went from pleasure of education, pleasure of philosophy, of pleasure of lo- uh, pleasure of, of logic to uh, isolating pleasure to only be. Pleasure of, uh, uh, of the flesh and pleasing the flesh, which morphs into, uh, you, you can use your mind into uh, inordinate uh, uh, sexual um, uh, pursuits and, and, and pleasing of the self. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you feel good, engage in it. And that's a lot of the philosophies that we see today. It's just recycled. Uh, so people today are in the same mind space. Uh people just live to please the flesh. Uh you have websites such as uh onlyfans.com, I believe it's called. Uh are, are all of these websites that uh promote sin, but yet people engage in it because they're trying to please the flesh. And and in today's society. You will find, if you want to do wrong, you'll find people that share your philosophy and they'll encourage you to keep doing wrong. But Paul was hurt because he saw how lost these people were from believing in these type of philosophies and ideologies. So Luke tells us that Paul encountered the Epicureans. Number two, Paul also encountered a group called the Stoics. And this movement was a philosophical branch that was founded by Zeno of Cyprus, um, who lived around 300 BC. They were called the porch people. And he taught that the good life could only be obtained through reason and to connect with nature. So that was his teaching. And and it's it's really interesting that uh, on the surface, it sounds good. Appreciate nature. Look at nature, enjoy nature, uh, and by nature we're not just talking about trees and and uh, uh, water and and plants and ozones. It's not just that; it includes it, but not just that. Uh, nature is whatever is found within nature. Whatever is found within nature, human beings, birds, and and, and as well as the uh, uh, grass and, and, and other, uh, uh, topographic, uh, uh, topography, uh, that you can think of everything that's included in nature. So there's nothing wrong with appreciating nature because God made nature for us to enjoy and to use. But the problem arises when we start worshiping nature, when we start deifying nature, when we start worshiping the created over the creator, that's where the problem arises. So you can try to be at one with nature, but it's not going to fulfill you because you're leaving out the creator. You can try to uh, lift nature up as high as you want it to, but just because you understand nature and the laws of nature uh, let's say at 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 a perfect uh, uh, space. Without Jesus, you would still be wanting. You would still be thirsty and not complete. So the Stoics taught that the good life can only be obtained through reason, right, the intellect, and to connect with nature. But their movement was more um, pushed on the reasoning side the ability to reason, the ability to be logical. Um, Star Trek, uh, Mr. Spock would have really fit into this uh, this movement because they pushed logic. They pushed reasoning. And if, if you were able to uh, be logical, if you were able to reason on a high level, then You you would have made it. Then you would find attainment. Then you would find order. You would find peace. And that is not totally true. You can do all those things, but without Jesus, you would still uh, be wanting. You would still be uh, desiring because you are carving out the one who brings perfect peace and the one who brings us perfect joy. So they believed in reason Over pleasure, so here you, here Paul is listening to uh, diametric uh, diametrical oppositions to his teaching. It's interesting. Uh, The Epicureans are almost the opposite of the Stoics. The Epicureans preach uh, and taught that it's pleasure over all else, and then the Stoics are saying it's reasoning and pursuit of logic over pleasure. So even though these two have major differences, what's interesting is they were able to come together to attack Paul, to insult him. Uh, This was the environment that he found when he uh, arrived in Athens. Paul, uh, visiting Athens in the first century, encountered these Epicureans, encountered these Stoics. They called him names. And that's a lesson here. When you're trying to share Christ, don't automatically assume that everybody's going to be welcoming. Don't automatically assume that everybody's going to love you because you're sharing the truth and love. They persecuted Jesus. They persecuted the apostles. Certainly, you will not be left out. So it's okay if people talk about you for doing the right thing for Jesus. It's okay. It's normal. It, sh- it it should be that way. Not everybody's going to appreciate the message that you're trying to share with them, rooted in love. So look what they call Paul. They called him a scavenger of tidbits in verse eighteen, and what this means is an unlearned person uh, who who collects who, uh, who collects different thoughts and. and bring it together. So they thought he was a scavenger, meaning he was taking a little bit from uh, various religions and various philosophies and making it one. Then they call him a proclaimer of strange deities because he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really that's the message for all of us. We are proclaimers of the resurrection. The resurrection is proof that we serve the authentic God, And this authentic God rose up with all power in his hands. So I want to encourage you to continue revealing the authentic God. There's so many gods out there. We need to make sure that we continue to highlight the true and living God. Well, I pray that you learn something from today's um, show, that you continue to pray for us. And then we ask for your financial support uh, in order to uh, continue proclaiming the ministry and teaching different Christians how to defend the faith, please go to srministries.org. Uh, you can make your donation there. Uh, you can send us a check to, made out to sign Reasoning Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. Remember to continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless
0: That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time, and remember Titus 1 9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message has been taught, so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
1: And
2: as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio.